Cameron. How are you? I know the answer to that because we had this conversation off the show, our pre-show conversation where we go, how are you? Yeah, we sure did. You know what? The listeners don't fucking need to know how you are. We we This is for the friends. This is for Richard. We'll text him later and tell him how you are at this very moment. And he'll be like, what the fuck? Hi, Richard. Hi, uh, Richard. This is... <laughs> This is this is opinions to cheek with Cameron and Chad, which is the two of us, uh, the, our our show. Cameron, I went to a, a rock fest, a big old rock show over the weekend, and um for for like any particular bands in particular, um yes and no fun of rock in general. Uh, we saw a bunch of bands. Um, I I really wanted to see Slipknot. I wanted to see Ginger. Falling in Reverse were there. I wanted to see them too. Uh, Ice Nine Kills. I think you might actually like Ice Nine Kills. They're um. They're kind of a heavier metalcore band, but they have some nice singing moments, and they do all their songs based on like '80s horror movies. And their stage setup is wild. They get like they got actors on stage that dress as characters, and like the singer like will be the villains from the movies. And they'll pretend to kill stuff. At one point, they did a Jaws song, and a guy walked out with like a really goofy shark costume. And Spencer is like, he's the singer. He's like, everybody help me out! Scream, fuck that shark! And so everyone's just screaming, fuck that shark over and over. You got like, you know, 20,000 people in a field just yelling, fuck that shark. It was really fun. Uh, great, great band. Definitely that actually recommend. does sound like a lot of fun. So, um, Falling in Reverse played. Uh, they were the co-headliner. I don't know if you know anything about them. No. So, Ronnie Radke is the is the, the front man to Falling in Reverse. And he is kind of like an old school rock and roll diva he's an asshole and he's a heel and he plays into that and his like brand I guess is he starts beef and he's kind of a dickhead and so the problem with that is you either get really good sets out of him or you get like a meltdown and he gets mad and you get a story and we got a bit of the second one it was raining on and off all fucking day he started his show late because they're waiting for the weather to clean up drop like 10 degrees everyone's cold and wet and he finally comes on he's late but we're like hell yeah where the show is continuing we're tired been here for five fucking hours listening to music all day or getting wet and uh his energy wasn't quite there and he started bitching about the energy of the crowd uh but it seemed like a bit because that's kind of what he does right and he, he played like a song like am i an asshole you know and, he's, and then he starts acting like an asshole in front of the crowd like oh this is funny people are laughing but the, the time between songs is really awkward. Like, he's like, everything's shutting off and it's starting back up. And at one point, he's like, I don't know if I'll come back unless you guys buy a lot of merch. And he, he starts kind of acting like a dickhead. And it's like, okay, this is funny, too. I guess he's doing a Ronnie Radke thing. It's just, whatever. I can enjoy this. And then seven songs in, he plays their big one. And then he's like, oh, you know, I'm done. And he just, they were done. He played a 40-minute set when he was allotted an hour and, like, 20 minutes. So people were mad because, yeah. you know... You come to see this guy, and he's kind of a, an aloof douchebag, and then he leaves early, and it's like, I, I waited out in the rain for you. What the fuck, man? At the same time, I was pretty tired. So I was like, hey, we got a Ronnie Radke story, but it doesn't end there because he has to take it to Twitter and the internet, and this is where things get weird because what I thought was a bit in him just being kind of a douche, he was sick the previous show he did, and they canceled, and I was like, okay, maybe he's still not feeling well, but he gave us something. That's commendable right like he could have canceled and he didn't no, no no he goes he goes online and he starts telling you know just shitting on like the venue and the people and how no one was pumped up and you know he probably brought this place to like a million dollars because he's such a big rock star and like no one was no one seemed to care and it's like well that doesn't make any sense ronnie but sure go off and he starts like lying about the venue though because like i you know the djs have talked about what it's like to be backstage and he's like they make you use the bathrooms with all the other people you had to use a porta potty it's like, no, you don't. You have There's like really nice bathrooms. You have a shower back there. You think we get a fucking shower out here? Hell no. I'm gross. I've been sweating all day until it rained. And it's so weird that like he did that. Like he just started like lying about the accommodations of the venue. He said he got like served raw chicken and it apparently wasn't even on the fucking menu that day because it was Friday and they served fish if you were backstage and you know wanted to partake with venue food. And I don't understand why he is such a weird fucking sociopath that has to make everything about him. And he wants people to like him, but then he's such an asshole, so nobody does. But we got a Ronnie Radke story, Cameron, and I'm honestly kind of psyched about it. It's fun. It is fun. I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad that the experience resulted in not just uh, immediate smiles, but after smiles. 
Yeah, I, I feel like I've I've seen him in the headlines. It's the state of 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 music media, especially like heavier genres, is fucking worthless too. Because it's kind of like video games, where like something happens and every goddamn website has to like break their own back to t- retell the same story. And there's only so many ways to do it. So either they get more and more extreme, like happy, or more and more extreme mad. And and all the metal stuff is the exact same. And so you, you click on one article because I'm like, oh, what did Ronnie Radke say about, you know, Kadat, Wisconsin? Oh, we fucking hated it. What a dick. And all of a sudden, Facebook's like, oh, you clicked on one. Do you want 10 more of the same article from sites you don't under- recognize? It's like, no, not really. But wow, they're all doing like the exact same thing, but just worse than, you know, blabbermouth or, or metal injection or whatever. It's it's really disappointing as someone who once took a journalism class and then I see like online journalism for things and it's awful dog shit so that hurts my soul a little uh slipknot were really good we saw them i didn't stick around too long because it, we, it was late and we were tired but i did get to get like you know good seven songs out of slipknot and we got to jump around and uh what's really disappointing with Rockfest, and i'll stop in a bit um as far as like the setup goes is that the the front is pit passes which costs a lot of money and then immediately after that is like bleacher seating and those are for the people who come every year and they buy their their you know seats like a year in advance and they're alumni to Rockfest and they're older people, they're people with families. They're not like the standard demographic at like a metal show. And so when metal bands show up, they're like, wow, the crowd here is kind of weird. People are sitting down. Um, a lot of them are really drunk at two in the morning or two in the afternoon. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is it's, it's a totally different vibe. It, 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 it kind of sucks as someone like I'm always in the cheap seats in the field. And so I'm with like everybody dancing and having fun because when the bigger bands show up, everyone starts doing that. And the bands can't see us, though. We're so far away. Like we're watching them on the jumbotrons because, you know, they're so freaking small. I can cover them with my thumb. And but the, the sound quality is really good because there's these speakers that are like as big as my house back there. And so you get kind of next to those. You just hit with the wall of sound. You're like, oh, this, this is kind of dope. But it is a very strange, strange atmosphere as far as like shows go. And it does sound like the metal bands that show up have a really difficult time acclimating to that because there's no moshing. There's no crowd surfing. The you know, security will stop that if you do it because they don't want anybody to get hurt and they don't want to get sued. So it, 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 it's I kind of get like why some of these bands are kind of a little disappointed but it, it, it's unfair as like someone who was in the area where there was a lot of fun and partying. It's like, no, 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 you just couldn't see us. Like we were definitely having a good time. It's just the rich people get to go up front and they buy their tickets and their camping spots. And I get next year sold out the front venue, the front bleachers sold out before we left. Like band number six comes on. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we already sold this out. Cool. I, I didn't even get a chance to bid on it, you know. But Rockfest was Rockfest was Rockfest other than more rain. And that was my Rockfest story. Shit, that took eight minutes. I'm sorry. Wait, why are you sorry? I didn't mean to talk that long. I figure no one cares. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, My weekend was more boring than yours. Yeah, what? what uh, boring in terms of just like you didn't do anything or? Yeah, I guess not. Now, I did put up a new video on the workout channel. Oh, I need to watch that. And the only reason I bring that up, I well, actually, did you see it? No. So the concept is uh, we're doing kind of like a travelogue where we go to like a small city someplace in the game that just players don't go to anymore. And then we kind of review it. So like how many buildings are here? What kind of NPCs are there? Are there side quests worth doing here? Because there's kind of this... Uh, like, the world's too big for its own good. Yeah. And if you make a new character right now, it really guides you towards certain paths. And there's optimal, like, if you want to level up as fast as possible, you, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And it feels like it's wasting most of the world. And it's called World of Warcraft. And so it kind of sounds like a fun thing to get into. We did a experimental, like, pilot episode, but... um. Like day one, I got a couple good comments on it, so we're thinking we might uh, do more of those in the future. Was uh was it you, Rixie, and Herc then, or was it just you and Rixie, or you and Herc? Um, just Herc. I I figure I would like to bring different people on for that too. Sure. I'm I'm super Especially nostalgic for certain bring, places. You know their own favorites. 
I do like that you kind of got a multiple people helping you with this now, and you know you got your podcast and having other people on the videos. It's kind of turning into a group project in a way, but like in a good way and not in like a high school way. Yeah, I like the I, I I like actually being part of a team. You know, I think that's actually one of the appeals of an MMO is playing together <laughs> towards a goal together. Yeah. And it's just very strange how games really encourage this weird uh like uh no, we'll just no, you can do it on your own. It's fine. It's funny the idea of a game getting like too big for itself, but it's also not that funny because I think like games are so big now that it's maybe more of a common occurrence unless that's what you're looking for. Well, it's like uh Skyrim the space Skyrim game. Did you see that? The Starfield? Um yeah, I heard about it. I think I watched a little bit of it. it they said something along the lines of like there's going to be like a thousand planets. That's stupid. And well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, that doesn't feel like a sales pitch. It feels like a downside to the design. <laughs> right. You know, like, I, I feel like there's a time where technologically that would be impressive and it would be like this new gimmick. But it's like, after playing games that are very large, it's like, you know, if you, if you gave us two planets and it was a really great story, we would appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's something to be said for like really finely crafted things where every every little detail was thought about in some way versus it's so big and the only way we we had to paint with this huge broad brush and so yeah there's like some things that are here and there's a lot that's just procedurally generated and we hope it worked. Yeah, that's another thing is uh, actually testing some of the stuff out. I I wonder what the value of having that many planets in a game is. You can't play Even test it's a just thousand like, planets. I mean, like there's there's going to be like stupid stuff where it's like, uh, you know, oh, this is barren and you just want to go there to mine resources. And there's like a handful of those. And right. I get it. That's not a big deal. But at the same time, like the, I don't know that that will make the important planets feel that much better just because there's a volume. Right. Well, I guess... I had uh, I had some options for uh, episode stuff. We talked about video games a lot last week, but we might be we'll continue on with that. I watched The Abyss by James Cameron, nineteen eighty nine Abyss, and I really like that movie a lot. And it made me think of like underwater stuff. And if we've ever done an episode on like underwater, the theme, as far as movies, books, uh, media that takes place underwater, or just shit that lives underwater. If we want to talk about the freaky deaky bullshit that that swims in the ocean, I didn't prepare anything. Because it's this podcast. I don't. I doubt you did either, because once again, it's this podcast. But do you want to talk about underwater? I love underwater things. I love, uh, I love fishes. And I love weird things that you don't classify as fishes. Like whales? Sure. I was thinking like weird, like jellyfish or oh, sea sure, slugs sure. or... Um, my favorite part of Moby Dick is when Ishmael is like, I did a lot of research on whales, guys. I'm going to tell you all about them because I love whales. Now, there are a lot of people that think they are mammals, uh, all these biologists, but I've seen whales and they swim in the ocean and I know that they are fish. And you're like, oh, Ishmael, you got that one wrong, buddy. You, you're trying so hard, but you really got that one wrong. And it's great because he's adorable and I love him and he's dumb. Oh, no, these are gorgeous. These little sea slugs. Yeah, sea slugs are pretty. They're sea slugs are great because, like, they look like things generated out of, like, mid-journey or Photoshop, and but they're real. Like, there are certain birds and bugs that do that, too, where you're just like, how the fuck is something that weird and pretty, a, a real animal I could go touch? And it's like, I don't know, but you can. Like, these, these bottoms, you look, they look like fucking Pokemon. Have you seen those sea bunnies? Oh, wow, look at that. It's like a little, it's like a dust bunny. It's got little moth ears, and it's probably underwater. Yeah, it's a sea slug. Are these real? Because uh, a couple of these look pretty fake. Yes. No, they oh. are. Is it just like the lighting? I'm guessing they're that. They look like the the hue saturation was probably tweaked a wee bit. Um, I mean, on some of these it could be, but also, I mean, some some of the stuff underwater gets really weird. Um, uh, now this could also be under a black light. Oh, sure, sure. Which brings out certain colors differently. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the jellyfish way at the bottom of the ocean look like legitimate aliens. It's fucking nuts. I remember They're once, all- uh, th- this was like on Discovery Channel, and it's a show about things underwater. And the guy said, you know, I don't know if I believe in space aliens, but if if space aliens were coming here because they want to learn about the planet they i i say they they wouldn't be watching us they'd be they'd be underwater they'd be looking at all the fascinating things underwater and i'm like i i don't know bitch you seen jersey shore the aliens love that shit <laughs> like some of these like look like actual spaceships like if i saw that flying around at night i'd be like oh i guess aliens are real and it's like no that's a jellyfish you fucking idiot you you stupid moron! It's it's a it's an animal. You're like okay, I magical serpentine creature that is probably a weird ass jellyfish that glows off the shores of Singapore or something. It's yeah. The, oh, have you seen what's that one? Um, have you seen those ones with like the weird like their teeth are serrated like needle claws? Oh wow! Like each individual tooth has like multiple points on it. Yeah, look at that. There's a type of so, um. Well, well, no. So this fish in particular with the weird thing, it like it looks so scary looking. Uh, but what's funny is, the I think you've seen this fish before. What's it look like when its mouth isn't open? Well, the problem is it got more famous because if you catch them down under like the deep pressure of the ocean and then bring them up too fast, um, their bodies like bloat out with the weird change in pressure, and they they look like this with the the weird blobby fish. Oh, is it that's one of those? Oh, I suppose I can see that's like where those. it's it's uh what looks like its eyes is actually its nose. Then, yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen the blob version of that, and it looks it looks pretty sad that it died the way it did. Yep. When I was um, I've definitely used underwater see life like this as you know i'm trying to design monsters for stories and and it's like i don't know what it should look like to google and then you're just like underwater fucked up thing and uh you you go from there and you have fun i think this is also one of these things where when you're working in fiction uh these fish get too weird that they won't work in your fiction story oh yeah 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 yeah. i've seen this one where like it's fucking top of its head is like transparent you can see it's dumb weird du- dual brain uh that's such a fucked up creature i don't understand how that's a thing it, it makes no sense you know about the parasite tongue fish that or the tongue eating yes. louse that oh upsetting Ho- holy upsetting just thinking about that imagine if a thi- a crustacean ate your tongue and is like i'm your tongue now and you just had to have it in your mouth until you died awful so the we're, we're talking about like goofy looking uh fish that you can google image but i feel like uh like you're talking about the abyss right yeah like narratively um sometimes i'm a little surprised we don't have more fiction that involves like the deep oceans because in a lot of ways, the really deep waters that we're like humans haven't really gone yet and we know there's life there, that should be more interesting than space where like hypothetically, we know there's not life on Mars, but what if we could go to Mars? And it's like, yeah, but why don't we explore some of the stuff down here more? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It also reminds me of um, older like horror stories that involved, hey, we've never explored this, so I'm going to set my story there. Lovecraft being pretty, uh, the, uh, the Mountains of Madness being like the Antarctic Mountains. Like, no one had really gone there. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to set a story there. And these explorers find out that, oh, there's shit in here that's weird. And these mountains are, they look machined as far as how they're shaped. They're they're not like organic. That's weird. And all of a sudden we get, you know, monsters and uh, whatever Lovecraftian horrors he's got going. And it's like, oh, this is cool because it's rooted in, it's rooted in the planet. A place that's you know narratively or like reasonably close to us in terms of like the cosmos versus oh it's on Pluto or it's on you know interstellar star number six and I don't know if there's like that much of that with underwater like you said like the abyss was a great example of that where they go down and they find fucking aliens and it's cool 
uh, the Meg books, which the one got turned into a movie with Jason Statham. Those, you know, those are deep sea. Oh, there's actually giant sharks that live down here and they eat giant squid. And there's a, a really weird biosphere. It's written by a guy who's a marine biologist. And so he can bullshit this really well and make it sound believable. And that was fun. I don't know if, if they don't do it as much because it would take like a lot of actual research to make it seem believable. But then I don't, I don't know, like technically sci-fi takes that much work too. If you really want to do it right and, and world build properly, like you got to put in the work. But also uh, some of the stuff we find underwater doesn't seem that believable. Yeah, I guess going back uh, to some of these fish. Have you seen a tripod fish? No, what's that? It, it literally, its fins are so long that it just sort of walks around. That's silly. Look at that goofball. If that were a Pokemon, I would be upset. Because they'd be like, that's stupid. That's the worst Pokemon. But it's an actual fucking fish. And these photos are funny because it's always just sort of like standing there. Like, it's capable of swimming. But it's just easier to walk than to swim. So it'll just like coast around at this very oddly specific height. Um, like, okay, whatever floats your boat, buddy. Yeah. There are some pretty good media, though. Like, like I guess Bioshock is like one of the big ones that comes to mind as far as takes place underwater. But you don't really interact with the water that much in Bioshock. It's sort of just a set dressing. Like, you go outside a bit, but it's all... It's not part of the gameplay as, as much as I remember, anyways. Uh, you're, the, the, yeah, you're right. Which is kind of a shame, because you'd think... When I think a game set in space, usually space plays a, a a somewhat important role in how you interact with the game. Even if it's just like a couple levels where you're outside, it's still there. But in Bioshock, I don't really remember you ever like swimming. I think you're just it's just yo, you look out the window and instead of seeing whatever, you know, a, a house or a, a mountain, you're you're just, you're underwater. How about Subnautica? Are you familiar with that? I'm familiar with it. I've never played it. It's one of these games that I'm just not interested in. Like it's a, it's got this Minecraft esque quality where you kind of like, you you gather resources and build up a base and it. it I don't want to call it a survival game, but it's kind of like a survival game. And your base, you can build up like a submarine, and then you you upgrade your submarine. You can keep going deeper and uh. I, I feel like it plays off of some of the interesting stuff that I'm surprised we don't see more of. But whenever I see gameplay of it, it looks so like cartoony that it I feel like it takes away from how bizarre deep water can be. I like some of these. So it's like it may as well be an alien world. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I don't know how you how you walk that line, because like you said, some of the stuff looks so weird. It shouldn't exist. And then other stuff is, I don't know kind of boring or silly like a fish that has legs that but it doesn't like how the fuck did that thing evolve that doesn't make any goddamn sense what are some other like uh, there's kind of like, like submarine stuff what I, the fuck sometimes else when place? you see those i mean like there, there's weird animals sometimes and it's just sort of like you know exactly one bird had this dumb idea and it's just you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna grow a hammer on my beak i'm just gonna hit things with it and all the other birds are like, why would you do that? And like, shut up, I'm hammering. Here's a question for you. Are there any D&D things that take place uh, underwater or really deep underwater? That's a good question. Um, typically, D&D shies away from anything that involves 3D movement. Oh, sure. There are, like, usually there are, you know, in, in the Monster Manual, you'll find encounters for, you know, things at sea. Uh, you, you have to fight mermaids or lobster men or a giant shark or something, but not so much like a big campaign setting. Uh, I wonder if maybe there is something I'm just not familiar with, though, because I feel like there's a romance to the sea that I really like. I mean, like I, I love uh, like Sea of Thieves, right? Yeah. Uh, the, just the romance of sailing makes me happy. That's the only reason I play that game is just to go and it's an excuse to sail from point A to point B. And then sometimes fun things happen. Yeah. Do you like the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies? Well, I'm just like pirates, right? Like, oh, see if these Pirates of the Caribbean, that's how that worked. Um. Yes, I love Pirates of the Caribbean, the movies. 
The first three were really fucking good. I, I, I haven't watched those in a while, but I, I miss those. Oh, here we go. D&D so Underwater Campaign. So it's funny you say that. Um, last, uh, the, a couple weeks ago was the 20th anniversary of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, cool. Good for it. And they re-released it in theaters, which, like, I, I wish I knew about it because I would have gone and seen it. And my parents wish they knew about it because they just watched it last weekend. Like, it's just like, hey, it's, it feels like it's in a mood for pirates time. And so it's just very funny that everyone seems to be bringing up this movie like out of nowhere because they didn't do a big like marketing push for the anniversary. That's a shame because I think a lot of people would be nostalgic for the first one, especially. And it was also yeah. probably the best one of the first three. Yes. Famous underwater media. What What is going to show up, I wonder? Oh, it's mostly just giving me photographs, which is cool. There's a lot of neat pictures of things underwater. So one thing I really miss about Second Life is the uh, like underwater communities. Oh, is that a big thing? Just make very interesting like places. Like you know, here's a whole coral reef, a uh, mermaid castle, or here's a a mysterious spooky sunken ship, and it, it, you could just like kill time there. Like it was relaxing to just like swim through a little like ocean village. And there used to be a lot of, uh, like, mermaid roleplay communities or fashion communities. And they would have these huge, like, uh, that get, like, multiple sims in a row. So there's actually, like, a giant ocean with different areas to swim through and explore. And you could just kind of get lost for a while, you know. That's one of those things I really miss. Just the vibe. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, it would be interesting you the... Take mermaids, but then and then do a D and D spin on or a fantasy spin on them. So you have like gnome mermaids and elf mermaids and uh, I don't know orc mermaids, and just taking a lot of the D and D tropes that are really prevalent but evidently not deep sea and just making them deep sea and just being like fuck it, let's go. Yeah, like it, the orcs could be sharks because this is a cool ass fucking picture you just sent me of like a shark dude with a peg leg and he's got a. Uh, an anchor with a lot of spikes as his weapon. Hell yeah, I'm all about this. Has this not been done? I feel like I should write this down. This maybe is a good idea. I mean, yeah, I'm, go ahead and write, write this down. Um, I don't think enough people are exploring it. I honestly, uh, like a mermaid version of D&D is something that I want to make at some point. But the trick is, how do you make uh, the underwaterness come across on a tabletop? Yeah, especially like you said, the 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 Z access um, could be that really difficult. That stuff is always inelegant. Yeah, you almost have to really do like a um, grid, and then it's like a you know, but a, with a Z element to the grid, like a cube. And I don't know, do you have to like draw? Yeah, and I've yeah, actually, I don't know how you do that. Like I've seen rules like that where you just you literally have like cubes that you like stack under your character. Mm. And you, you count them off, and so, like, everything that's on Tier 3 is the same height or something, but it's kind of, like, it, it, with those systems, uh, the the gimmick is clear, but the meta always turns into, like, just don't go up or down. Like, it, you're just, like, wasting turns going up and down all the time. And sure. it's, like, it's just It's more efficient to just stay on the same axis anyways. And so you have to, like, rethink what the goal actually is instead of just replicating the 3D space. Yeah. This is another thing, too, where I'm like, oh, it would be so fun to world build this, but until you have, like, a story that you want to tell, it's not really worth world building. And so it's like, oh, I guess I got to think of, like, a cool underwater mermaid story, maybe. And then how do I not be derivative? Because at a certain point... The uh, the aesthetic's only going to go so far because if you're just like I'm going to do underwater mermaids with Laura, you know, when they have to destroy a ring and save the underwater, it's like, well, no, don't do that. So, you're yeah, and if you look at something like D and D, and you look at the mermaid people, and there's a mermaid city, I feel like they fit one archetype the same way that you would go to the elf city, and so I think for this to work, you have to have like multiple underwater cultures. Yeah. So that there is variety. Um, My guess I'm curious, is too. Do you, uh, did you ever look into those uh, that like underwater faction on Warhammer? Oh, not really. But I think because there's like a it's like 
I want to say it's like a Chaos Marine type. No, the uh, Fantasy Warhammer. Oh, the Fantasy Warhammer. Okay, no, no, I didn't. Let me find. I got the page here. So it's kind of neat. Am I going to want to uh, buy and paint these? An elf. What? Am I going to want to buy and paint these? Oh, I don't know about that. Um, I like some of them, but their line isn't. It doesn't feel complete. Like it's missing something and I can't put my finger on it. It's not like I want a whole army of these guys. It's more like I want one of them. Uh, like their cavalry instead of horses, they have these eels. And I think the eel sculpts are really cool. I like the guy on the shark. He's got a yeah. Like the guy a, on the like... shark is an iconic unit. Um, I like the there's like a there's like a wizard guy that has a big scroll, but he also has like an octopus familiar that's holding like weapons and assisting him with his scroll writing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's really clever. Some of these are a little lame, and then some of them are really neat. It it's definitely like a one or one or the other. Yeah, so my thing is I hate elves, but I really like sea creatures. And so it's like if there was like a monster race of shark people, I would get that army. Yeah. Um, If you could send in an army of eels, I would get that army. It's just it's elves. And then the elves sometimes have a turtle buddy. And it's like, boy, it's a really cool turtle. Uh, Their story is they're, they are elves and they used to live on the land. And basically some like bad magic thing happened or whatever. And their king led them underwater and they're cursed. And they need uh, like they, they're not inherently evil, but it's kind of like a vampire situation where they need to steal souls to uh, to survive. So they'll do these raids where they'll attack land people and bring them back and turn them into slave laborers by ripping their souls out from them. And they're very, like, secretive. And so it's kind of like you'll lose a ship at sea, and everyone says, oh, man, that storm must have got them. But it was like, oh, no, it was actually the elves that no one knows about. Okay. And it's, like, this interesting hook where the pieces are here for very engaging storytelling. Yeah. But also, they don't expand on it a whole lot, and then they've kind of, like, been sitting on this for a while. (laughs) So it's like, okay, well, that was fun. I like the idea of a, like a mermaid vampires or mermaid werewolves. Like one, I think as an aesthetic, really leaning into that could be fun. It's just how do you do it, and then how do you do it like elegantly, where you're you're having fun with it and you're telling new stories with a new coat of paint, but in a way that people really recognize. I feel like it's something I need to keep, I need to like just keep in mind when I come up with story ideas. But then I I think back to like, oh, the amount of research I might need to do. Uh, Because if you're going that far down, I I feel like pressure, like water pressure should come into play as like a mechanic. Obviously, you know, how do you deal with the, uh, I don't know, farming crops? How, what do people eat, right? What's the ecosystem? What is the uh, environment like that way? And then... Yeah, if you have orcs, are they like shark people or are they just like kind of weird? I don't know some other kind of mermaid, right? Do you have like crab people? Do you have, you know, what's the what's the way you you make things look monstrous or not monstrous? And then if you do that, you know, I mean, what do people ride? What what how, what are the cars like? You know, what's the technology like? There's a lot of weird things to deal with. And maybe I'm starting to realize that there's a reason why people don't do this very often. It's just because to do it right would be a bit of work. I think it also depends on what the goal is. And it's like, are you trying to represent the scientific discoveries we've made recently? Or is there like a rule of cool component? Yeah, that's true. Um, Because sometimes you can hand wave things kind of easily and then sometimes you can't. So this is funny. So I went to Mid Journey. I typed in "deep sea mermaid, comma scary," and I think this design is neat. But what they did was the background looks like a like a garage or a tackle shop, and I don't know why she's there. Yeah, that's a cool like that. That looks like it could be like an Age of Sigmar model. I like the scales along the yeah. arms. The seaweed hair is also neat. 
I think, therefore I stink. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh yeah, these stupid mermaids. Um, I th I think that if you wanted to build a setting, like you like you were saying, how like there should be like mermaid dwarves and elves, and they go on an adventure to destroy a mermaid ring. I think you have to set up rules like, um, you know, like with with dwarves. They have their own culture, but at the same time, there's like a human relation that any reader can say, like, well, I understand why somebody would want to build stuff and and like craftsmanship and stuff like that. Yeah. And, the, you know, y you can relate to the non-human races in that setting because they're all a uh, derivative of human in a lot of ways. It becomes challenging with underwater stuff because it really ends up very alien and different. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, should uh, should you have just underwater humans? I mean, isn't that kind of what like the standard mermaid is? It's just they have fish, you know, torso or fish legs. Well, what if um, what if it was more like sea monkeys? Oh, you know where it's like for you know. Two arms, two legs, but they're good at swimming. They have gills. Okay. But sea monkey, you know, a uh, cute whatever the 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 drawings on the box, not what they really look like. Sure. And what if that was like, and their culture is built around farming and animal husbandry, and uh, like a little bit of infrastructure, and then like the mermaids are the elves, and they're all pretty and hoity-toity. And then there's the the crabulons, and the crabulons are the dwarves, and they're like infrastructure and heavier, and and they have um they have cool uh, crab beards, and their their claws are like hammers. They'll hit things with their claws, and stuff like that. And it's like you could you could one to one stuff with that approach. The trick yeah. is making it not look too uh, obvious what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know if you lean into the obvious or not either, because like right now all my my headspace is just really leaning into it. And at that point, you like you have to either do something deconstructive or maybe a comedy, which can be really difficult. And also, I mean, like th there's a reason tropes exist. You know, you want to rely on recognizable patterns so that you can pick up the story fast enough. Uh, but then, does that leave you wanting more creativity when you rely on it too much? Right. Did you, you you did you see the movie Luca the Pixar one? Uh, yes, I saw it. I I, I feel like that one did an interesting job of like kind of world building in the beginning of hey this is what the society is like and how they work without spending a lot of time on it. And I liked what I saw in that. I would almost have appreciated more of it because I know he was like threatened with oh you're gonna go to the surface you got to go visit your uncle who lives in the deep sea and he's kind of fucking weird. And uh, I think he was kind of like pale in color and everything. And I, d I wonder how much thought they put into those scenes that didn't actually get in the movie. You know, like how, how much they world built outside of what we saw. Because uh, I imagine it's quite a bit. Pixar usually takes that shit really seriously. I think uh, with that one too, like you said, the, the the world building was good, and I like how it was really from the perspective of the underwater people first. Yeah, you don't have to explain what humans do, so it's kind of like you know, let's just see them do some normal stuff for a little bit, and you get it. And they farm their little you know water equivalent of goats, and it's fine. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. So I went to Mid Journey. I typed in Lord of the Rings dwarf, but he's a crab. Oh shit, these look pretty cool. Is that all you typed in? Yeah, or... one of these has yeah. Um one of these it's it's almost like a samurai mask where it's like it's almost got like fake beard hair. That's almost an interesting idea. Like what if they're like hermit crabs where they construct their beards out of things they collect? That would be fucking cool. That is such a rad idea. That's the kind of thing you like you include um, in I also like, like the yeah, actually, you know, I realized his shoulder pads are like samurai inspired too. I think this ripped from some samurai pictures for some reason. Um, but I also really like the monstrous faces. Like, you know, crab eyes are funny. I feel like there's nothing wrong with maybe you know having a non-humanoid face as a friendly character. 
Honestly, I think that's something that I wish would be done more in fiction. Just because, I don't know, like, like the problem with elves, dwarves, and humans, like, if you really start looking at it, like, uh, from a biological aspect, is they all look too similar that it feels like they share a common ancestor. But they, they're so uh, different in terms of, like, how long they live. You're like, do they really share a common ancestor? Like, I mean, probably, but how far back does it go? Like, why, why are they so different yet so similar? And it's like, oh, because we're talking about society, har, har, har. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like, especially if you're dealing with underwater stuff, and there's such weird shit down there, it's like, no, 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 I feel like the friendly should also, like, like this crab guy is cool. The problem is, is when you're writing, this shit's really hard to describe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is one of those where you might cheat and have uh, really good cover art that shows the, the main characters. Yeah. I hate when books do that, but also sometimes it's like, you know what, thanks for the visual aid, that... That saved me a few pages for my book report here. Yup, yup, for sure. I've definitely, like... Honestly, one of the things I've used Stable Diffusion a bit for recently with writing is if I have to describe something weird and I don't know where to start, I'll try and generate an image of it so I can be like, okay, what's the most important part of, of this image? And that can be a total waste of fucking time because obviously Stable Diffusion is not always uh, useful or, or accurate. But sometimes it, it gives you something really decent. You're like, oh, okay, hell yeah. I can I can work with this. This is a cool picture. I will jump off. Yeah, I think that's one of the better ways to use AI brainstorming. Okay, so what about the story? We got mermaids. Uh, we got crab dwarves. Do you think that like underwater society should be more like isolationist than scary or should it just be kind of like uh medieval times where you could get in a cart and go to another town and it's not a big deal i think the medieval time stuff is more fun and then it gives you like an easy excuse to go journey around it's just a matter of okay so what's the reason for the journey and is it something that comes from above, or is it just something totally isolated underwater? Well, I think that's another world-building rule you have to do, because in a lot of ways, uh, leaving water makes life easier. Uh, water has properties that will uh, like corrode structures and things, and tools, and like if if you have underwater technology, it has to be like a uh, hand wave that it's fine or it has to be super advanced sci-fi technology. That's true. And so there th like there's a reason that on earth things evolved in a way where the smarter things typically left the water. Yeah. Because otherwise our Game Boys wouldn't work in the future. I'm almost wondering because um, I mentioned So it um, kinda depends, you know Ooh. I mentioned pressure earlier, and I think it would be interesting if, like, they had automobiles of some kind, but they ran on, like, these weird pressure bladders that somehow harvested, like, the pressure of the ocean and used that to create energy to move. And so they don't use electricity because, obviously, they couldn't. But they use, um, you know, what's available to them. And in this case, you have a, a strong oceanic pressure forces, and then you have thermal vents, uh... And I don't know, probably like lava streams and stuff like that, you know, because you're so close to the Earth's crust uh, in comparison to being on the Earth's surface and finding different ways to generate energy. Because once you find good energy, then you can figure out how technology works based off of that. The uh, Lord of the Rings dwarf, but he's a jellyfish. I feel like the only one I really like is the uh, bottom right. And that's just like I like the the beard being like the jelly fish tentacles and it looks like he's almost in a like a robot like swimsuit or like a spacesuit uh, that's a cool design i kind of like the top left one where he has that it's like a fluffy jellyfish it's that pink kind of like weird flowy thing it, it, but it's like a jellyfish hat for a wizard yeah it definitely looks like gandalf though like you can definitely you know it it it, it read lord of the rings very well I guess we're we're getting along here. Um, did you have any closing comments about deep sea adventures? Um, not really. I I I was hoping this would go 
I don't know what I was hoping for this conversation. I don't know if it went the way I wanted it to, but I had no plans. I honestly, I was really stumped at like, <laughs> oh, underwater stuff. Yeah, let's talk about, oh shit, there's only like four things I know of that really take place underwater. And I know there's got to be more than that because there, there just has to be, but I'm not aware of them. And it, it does feel like a very untapped market, which is kind of strange. I think it's very strange, but at the same time, after trying to talk through it and workshop ideas, I'm starting to realize, like you said, there's maybe a reason that not everybody picks this up right away. Yeah, when I when I go to write stuff, and I've talked about this before, but I don't like to do a lot of world building or research because that takes time and I'm lazy and I don't want to do it. So I go as much as I need to and then no more. And that gets me into trouble and I fix that in post which is editing. But I know people who are just like, I only want to research and I only want to world build and I don't want to write a story. And I feel like, oh, hey, I got an idea for you, buddy. You should do this because there's there's a lot of untapped potential if you want to do the groundwork for it. And I don't know if I do, but I, I do want to, like I said, keep this on the back burner just as an aesthetic. I could It could be really fun to work with. And like for short stories, I, I have to do a lot less legwork for those because the hook is sort of what keeps you there. And if it's only five pages long, right? Like, oh, who gives a shit if it doesn't really make sense as long as it was whimsical or had a neat visual. Like, sometimes that's all you want out of a short story. You know, it's funny. I'm uh, I'm trying to find pictures of the, like, Second Life mermaid culture. And all these screenshots are so bad. that It's like somehow no one documented any of the stuff that happened. Aww. Because there were some very pretty locations. Are there any underwater stuff in, in World of Warcraft? I know there's like some, like there's the Murlocs and the uh, Naga. And that stuff's cool. Yeah, um, there is a very... There's a pretty big underwater zone that they put in for Cataclysm. But it almost felt like they didn't fully flesh out the concepts. Like a... Uh, uh, what's the word? A lot of it just feels very samey. And it's not a fun zone to go back to. And narratively, when it's time to leave, it's like, yeah, let's leave. It's not like a cool new zone to explore. It, it very much like walks you through step by step. Like, oh, your, your airship crashed and you're trying to make do and survive. And as soon as you get help, you leave. And the story progresses, but it's not like some of these places where you want to explore and learn more about it. That's a shame. I feel like it's an underwhelming zone to most people. I just thought of a couple of like things to close on, I think, with Underwater. Uh, the Dragonlance books, the ones that I reread uh, a year or two ago now, there were two underwater elements to uh, the ones where they were getting rid of the big evil dragons. One of them, there was actually like elves underwater, and they were kind of isolated, mostly because there was a big evil underwater dragon that would kill them if they tried to escape. And he was just kind of circling and they were his food source. And I'm trying to think of what they did that wasn't just like the Little Mermaid-esque. Because I don't know how, I don't think there was a lot of really interesting stuff down there. They, they weren't down there very long. But it was it was neat. It was something I hadn't really seen before. And there was another one where this like dragon i think died or some evil creature died on top of an elf city and like it crushed it and the the weather changed and the the ground changed and it basically flooded and it in the city sunk and they had to go down there to find an artifact and because of all the weird magic it was this underwater city and everybody like it was full of ghosts like everybody that died just like became ghosts and they were just lived down there and were stuck and that I'm was scared. really cool yeah that there was some really neat shit there that was that was a fun place to go to the other place, not so much. So I guess Mermaid Ghosts is another avenue we could explore. I like uh, the idea of um, what's the word like uh, like spooky spooky things at sea, like haunted ship, the Titanic, spooky ghosts, uh, lighthouse story, all that stuff, right? Yeah. I sometimes I wonder like. Uh, what was um going back to Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yes. It's kind of interesting in the second one where they, they like they point out the fact that 
like everybody was immortal, but they the one guy they like um like they tied a, a cannon to his uh shoes and threw him overboard. Oh yeah. But after he's immortal, so he's just stuck at the bottom of the ocean and it's like, you know what? <laughs> that's kinda of fucked up. It's interesting that they brought up how bad that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a horrible thing to do to somebody that's immortal. <laughs> Because you never you never think about it in the first movie, but with uh, in the second one where it's like, oh yeah, you know what, I, man, Davy Jones is cool. I I like the second and the third ones for what they are. Um, the first one's the good one. <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend otherwise. I think everyone should watch The Abyss by James Cameron, but the director's cut. And I said that last week, and I will fucking say it again because that movie's really good. That's okay. You could say it again. There are worse hills to die on. Like the one Jesus did. Or what's um the that the the fourth one was the good one. Don't say that. Wait, what? The um the pirates movies. Oh. The fourth one was okay. I don't remember liking it that much, but I didn't hate it. And everyone hated it, I think, when it came out because it was a fun thing to hate. I yeah, I think I I thought it was fine. I think the fifth one even I hate. And I like everything. Yeah, the fifth one was pretty rough. Cameron, do you want to do you want to hear a 9/11 joke I made? Yeah. Okay, so I was uh I was at the liquor store. Um I went to get cat food and they had uh they had Rabbit Hole High Gold, which is like an $80 bottle of bourbon. For $55. And I was like, holy shit, that is discounted. I am going to buy the fuck out of that. Because that stuff's really good. Which is, I was sipping that while we were having this conversation. And I asked the lady, like, because there was nobody there. I was like, why Why is this so cheap? And she's like, oh, we haven't sold a bottle of it in like six months. And we had to make room for some other stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, what's the other stuff? And so she's showing me these two new ones. And one of them's called Chicken Cock. And I've had that before. And it's fine. It's definitely not worth $70. And the other one was a... Uh, a bottle that apparently was was made in, in, by firefighters that survived 9-11. Like, evidently a couple of them like bourbon and they decided to do that. And so they, uh, it's all themed, I cannot remember what the name of it is, but it's all themed around that and like they have like metal on it that I guess was from the Twin Towers. And she's saying, yeah, it's like, you know, I guess it's really good. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it tastes smoky. And and to no. that woman's credit, she laughed at that, and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Because it would have been really awkward the next five seconds when you have to check, you know, finish checking me out and and looking at my ID and whatnot. I need to look that up though, because I actually want to try it. Yeah, but I I know what you mean though when it's uh the those like awkward moments. It's like well, this doesn't have to be awkward. Please just laugh and we'll move on. Yeah, you're making it so much worse. Oh, it's called Horse Soldier. It was freaking expensive, though, so I hope it's fucking good. The Proprietors of American Freedom Distillery. Mmm. It is 95 proof. That's nice. Oh, good. That, that gives you some likes. I mean, you can get pretty fucked up on that. That's cool. Horse Soldier Bourbon Tasting Notes. We, I, I don't need to be doing this. I'm just, I'm just confused. And, and yes, I'm of legal drinking age. Holy shit! <laughs> oh, what was that one? Um, let's see. Oh, damn, that's got some nice tasting notes. Both of these, uh, the the regular and the small batch, which they had the small batch. You got toffee. You got dark stone fruits. I don't really know what that means. Usually, I don't like blueberries, maybe, or just some of the barrier stuff. Uh, ginger, cola, vanilla, and oak. I can dig all of that. I've had bourbons with those. How much was this? This is like $80. Yeah, it is. That's a lot. You were drinking a 9-11 IPA. <laughs> Someone was. That got like a panda on it too. What What a weird bottle. What's the uh, brewing company? Is Drunken Panda. Is it good? I've never had it. I, I, don't, I don't know that they sell this in the US. Oh, fair. Every review I'm finding is in the Spanish. Okay. Holy shit. Like, the more I'm looking at this, the more offensive the bottle is. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they had fun with the art on that one. Yeah, they did. Holy crap. I, 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 
One of those, I'm laughing, but I don't know if that one's okay. <laughs> Cameron, this has been fun. Do you have a glad space? I do. Uh, so this week is Comic-Con. And uh, part of the fun of Comic-Con is that it takes over the whole city. And so you don't even have to like go to the convention to get some Comic-Con fun out of it. Uh, one of the things that they did was a pop-up restaurant for Sonic the Hedgehog. Did you see that? No, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, so um, it it's <laughs> it's funny. I like I went down there and it was a half hour wait to get in, and I'm like, man, this better be the best stupid chili dog ever because I'm waiting for it. But they they actually decorated everything like really classy. Like it's very nice. There's a lot of a uh, like the Sonic style like checkerboard stuff on the walls. Yeah. You go in and it's playing like all the like rush music. Like it's <laughs> it's like very the... uh it's very funny to me. Like walking into a restaurant and hearing Live and Learn blasting. Uh they had like old Genesis games up and running and the kids are playing that while they wait and stuff. Nice. But also it was actually the best chili dog I ever had. Oh hell yeah. Which I just, I was not expecting. Um, And also onion rings. I ordered the side of onion rings, and they gave me three in this little bag. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And I take one out, and it's the biggest onion ring I've ever seen. (laughs) This is is fine. Um, I almost want to go back again uh, this week. I I bet the line will be worse. Um, Because it was actually very good. The onion rings in uh, in this video look kind of small. He looks like he got more than three, though. I wonder if you just got, like, the surprise big ones. Yeah, I'm sure they, like, fill the bag as best they can. Yeah. Also, this video, I wonder what this was, because, like, there was not, um, there was not sitting room when I went. So I don't know if this was maybe, like, a press, like, early release, or, like, early opening for review, you know? Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, the chili dog's really good. The one complaint I have is I feel like they tried too hard. And you know how, like, you have to do themed menu items, right? So it's like, okay, well, what do we want for Sonic? Uh, Chili Dog. Okay, yeah, it writes itself. What about for, like, Knuckles? Um, Guess what the Knuckles item was? I don't want to. Yeah, chicken sandwich. Okay. And they they call it a Knuckle sandwich. Do you get it? Uh, Oh, Ah, that's kind of cute. I'm okay with that. Okay, and then what about Dr. Eggman? I mean, I would hope it would be like a burger with an egg on it. No, it's a hot dog with egg salad on it. Ugh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I feel like if they only offered chili dogs, no one would complain. Right. Make me want a chili dog. Yeah, this video is actually making me want to go back again. I really, <laughs> it didn't look pretty, but I don't know what uh where they're getting these um these uh, wieners from. But they were like actually grilled, right? That was good. Hell yeah! The fuck made me glad this week. Oh, uh, on my I'm on my Disney rewatch, right? Uh, we hit uh, Emperor's New Groove, which I was really Yay. excited to watch because that's a funny movie, and I hadn't remembered it most of it. Uh, but also, I keep you know scrolling through that uh, that Emperor's New Groove like shit post group on Facebook. I don't know if watching if being there helped or not me enjoy this movie because I kept finding all of the the scenes where like people would turn into memes, like the the templates that would happen. I'm like, oh, it's this one. Oh, it's this one. Oh, and then really took me out of the movie. But since the movie is such like freaking like silly slapstick comedy, it's not like there was a lot of emotional resonance like anywhere in it. It was just fun. But I had a really good time with it. It was definitely a good movie. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's right. I wanted to send you that a video about like the behind-the-scenes drama about making it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I figure you'll appreciate it after watching it recently. Uh, the John Goodman's wife in that is uh, the lady that plays Ida the Owl Lady in, in Owl House. And that was kind of fun to recognize that. Oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, it's funny with voice actors and cartoons. Sometimes it's uh, fun to recognize a voice, and sometimes it's annoying. And I don't yeah. know why that is. 
I, I think too when it's a movie you haven't seen before. And all of a sudden, you're like, I recognize every actor in this movie, and I don't. I some of them I know why, and some of them I don't, and that's uh, a little frustrating, if I'm being honest, because it's like, okay, okay who is? Oh, it's John Goodman. There we go. Got it. Nailed it. I think I think that can almost be a detractor. Honestly, I, it's weird too. They had a lot of big names in there, and then they had a lot of like, oh, there's just a professional voice actor playing this character, and sometimes it's like I recognize that person more than the other one. I watch too many fucking cartoons. That too. I'm basically just a stupid man child watching Disney cartoons. Yeah. But it's fun. I did like I like Krunk a lot. The the kind of like the help uh the, who's helping the villain, but he's dumb. And when he like shows up at the restaurant and the one guy's like, Fine, you do it, I quit and he's just like, Okay, and he just starts cooking and it turns out he's a good cook and knows how to run a restaurant. Like that kind of shit was was great. And there's like weird anachronisms in the movie. Like the squirrel blows up a like a, a balloon animal and pops it. Uh, someone is using an electric floor scrubber to make the floor slippery, so a character slips. Like it's just such a uh, it's a very cartoony movie for for Disney, right? Like most of yeah, those. Yeah, and uh, I think that's something that I like about it. But it's also like, you'll watch in this behind the scenes thing. In fact, hey listeners at home, I'll link it in the description. You can watch it. Uh, but it's. It's such a weird movie for Disney that it almost feels like they didn't make it. A little. Because it does not follow any other Disney rules, really. Because I think, like, Lilo and Stitch is next, and that's another... That movie has, like, really high emotional resonance at the end. And, like, Beauty and the Beast, really crazy emotional resonance. Um, all the ones you really know are like, oh, man, what a crazy good movie. It You know, it hits that, like... Oh, but you know... Like even with Lilo and Stitch, they set up rules and they follow them. Yeah, like they they don't they don't like bend logic for a cartoony effect or anything. It's like no, he's an alien and he does have like a space ray gun, but it kind of works in a specific way. They don't like bend it too much. Yeah. Whereas this was this was definitely like what if Disney but Looney Tunes for an hour and a half. I'm glad it's like kind of the only one that does that, but I appreciate that it does have a very specific like aesthetic to it and, and style. It does, and I think it also uh, it uses its cast very well because everyone's entertaining. I think this is one of the few movies where I like the protagonists as much as the villains. Yeah. It's like they're both fun to watch. Whenever a new scene starts you enjoy it. It's not like, oh, we have to wait to get back to Quasimodo now. I, oh, okay, well, whatever. The uh, You know, Timon and Puma are funny, but well, now Nal is here and we have to listen to her talk. Yeah. I, I think I think the good Disney movies, I like the villains and the, uh, the heroes a lot. But that's because they're the good Disney movies, right? Where they're really well written and well crafted. Like, I really like all of, like, all of the scenes in Hunchback and Notre Dame. I think that's a fantastic movie. The order of some of those scenes is a little whiplashy, but the in a vacuum, like each one is good, and I like all the characters in it. Anyways, uh, oh, Disney you know rewatch funny? fun. Uh, I was thinking about Up, and with Up, I feel like people remember a lot about that movie, but then they'll forget that there even was a bad guy in it. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of there is a villain, but he's barely in it, right? Like he's, you know, they they encounter him and he's yeah. going to do some bad shit maybe. It feels like that's not even what the movie's like that's supposed to be the climax and it's kind of like I I was watching it recently and there's the part where all the dogs are in little planes flying around and I'm like I completely forgot about this whole fucking movie. Like I I think I remember the emotional beats and that's it. Uh, that's an interesting. I haven't watched that movie in a really long time. I would you know, gun to my head, say, oh, favorite Pixar movie? Probably Up. But I would also say I probably don't remember, like, half of it because it's been, I don't know, eight years or more since I've seen it. I feel like a bad person because over the years, my favorite Pixar movie has, like, shifted a bit, and right now it's just landed on Cars. <laughs> that is definitely an interesting choice. I think the problem is some of the movies that I liked more just don't age well, and Cars is aging well. Okay. 
um, that I, I kind of want to like you're doing this rewatch. I kind of want to go back and maybe watch more Pixar movies and uh and actually like measure out what I do and don't like about them. Yeah, that could be fun. That might be its own discussion we could have sometime. I know I rewatched Wally last Christmas and I really liked that movie on rewatch. I didn't I didn't actually like that one when it came out. I felt it was a little too like heavy handed and sad and preachy. And now I'm just like, hey, this 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 one rings all right now that it's been ten years and shit's gotten worse. <laughs> Plus, uh, the I, little yeah, robot's I think cute. it's preachy, but it's also very pretty, so I don't mind it as much. Yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. I want to rewatch like Brave. You know, some of the ones that like people don't really give a shit about, or like the Good Dinosaur. I don't know about that one, but I want to rewatch Brave. Brave, I, I remember kind of enjoying. Oh, I forgot Brave is Pixar. Yeah. Wait, was it? Yeah. Brave felt like it could have been a Neil Gaiman story if he had to write a kid's hmm. story. Yeah, it is Pixar. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like at the time I watched Brave and I liked it more than most people were. But I feel like over time people have a little bit appreciated it more in an appropriate way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, well, that we meandered a whole bunch. Yeah, we did. Let's let's say goodnight to everybody, and then good. we'll watch Pixar movies. Yeah, goodnight, everybody. Go watch fucking Pixar movies. Wahoo! Like, other movie. And Luca, that's underwater. Luca is underwater. Did Finding Nemo 2 is underwater. Oh, I forgot about fucking Finding Nemo. Or, like, Finding Nemo Toad. What a loser. I heard the most, like, th- this story gave me secondhand embarrassment hearing someone else say this. But they said they were watching Finding Nemo with their friends. And the one guy said that he, he started laughing so hard that he spit out his water he was drinking. Because it, there's that one part, you know those little fish where they'll, like, swim in formation to make a picture? And there's a part where they're making fun of Marlin. And they... They just like make a picture of him that, but it's like frowning. And the guy said it was the funniest thing in the world to him because this movie uh, predicted how every argument would be uh, just depicting the other person as a soy jack online. And it's like, I it it felt like this guy has to be terminally online that he watches this scene and he's like, "Oh, this is a soy jack," I clapped. Oh my gosh, that was depressing. Good night, everyone.